fact, or maybe it's a well-known fact. I don't know if we've talked about this before, about how I hate beer. Mm-hmm. But just this last month or so, uh, Jack's really gotten me into trying more beers and stuff like that. And so he's gotten me more into sours. We went and hung out with some friends yesterday, and I drank a couple sours, and I actually, like, drank all of it. She did. That was very impressive for me. Cause before... She, like, didn't even nurse them. She, like, drank them as, pretty much as fast as I did. Mm-hmm. So I, I have impressed. a beer in my hand right now. The Citrus Saison. Which is a type of sour, and it's from Crooked Stave. I... They're pretty good. <laughs> okay. Mm. Good, good, good. Good, 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 good. Anyway, thanks for experiencing that first sip with me, guys. <laughs> pretty good, if you got like her, that kind of thing. I got her a mix six of a bunch of different sours, and most of them she's like, ew. This one was good, and there's like one other that you like. There was one other one, the one that we had the other day. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called, but... I don't know what it is. If you can still taste like the beer, yeah, uh, like the hoppy, yeah, I can't stand it. Yep, I feel that. But whatever. Uh, how was your week? I feel like my week was good. It was your birthday week. Yeah, yeah, I had fun. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we partied it up. Partied it up. But this is what we did by partying. Are you guys ready? We cross stitched for six hours. <laughs> We're gonna do it again tonight. Yes. We <laughs> Oh, it's fun cross-stitches. Like, mine says, please don't summon demons in the bathroom. I think mine says, uh, this is proof that I have the patience to stab something a thousand times. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah, there's one that I want to work on next that says, don't let the cats out or the cops in. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) We don't like cops here. Fuck the cops. Yeah, (laughs) ACAB. Oh god, that's funny. It's a joke, I'm a cop. Um <laughs> if you don't know, if you haven't listened. <laughs> uh yeah, anyways. We really are gonna have that in our house though. Hell yeah, we are. Like, that's not fake. No, not, not at all. Fake no, I think news. I wanna put that on the front door because if any of your cop friends come over they're gonna think that's fucking funny. <laughs> anyways. Um, no, it was a good birthday. I had a wisdom tooth out the day before. Yeah, literally the worst luck. <laughs> Unexpectedly. Thought I was going in for a consult. And they were like, oh, it'll take two seconds. Yep. Literally. I'm like, well, I know, I was recording for my other podcast, and Jack texts me, and he's just like, well, I got it out. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) What happened to the, like... Also, he said it was appointment was at, like, 2.30, and he texted me at, like, 2.15 saying it was out. I'm like, what the fuck even happened? Yeah. Yeah, they called me a little bit early, and they were like, hey, um, we're... Like, our last person is done early. Do you want to just come in now? You're like, okay. Okay, I'll leave now. So I left, and I was, I'm not kidding, sat down, signed consent forms. They said, don't (laughs) worry, we build everything to insurance, so you don't know anything. Nice. Michael, that's nice. And then, uh, yeah, he numbed me up, and it was like a really quick-acting Novocaine, which freaked me out. And then I (laughs) thought he was just, like, testing the waters, and he was actually prying it out, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it took like Ooh. five minutes Gross. which is wild because i had all of them out in high school supposedly and uh that was like a whole ordeal I mean, they like put me out and like i had stitches and i had follow-ups it was a whole thing but not this it. It was five minutes so much <laughs> but oh, uh yeah what else you got jack's first birthday yeah yeah, I was Samuel, a little cheesy. She did the best thing ever. I figured it was his first birthday, living his best life, so gotta make it the best. She threw me a, bi- a pirate birthday party. Yeah. It was awesome. 
It's kind of cool. It Cute. Is so cool. We um, will probably post pictures. I'll post a picture of the dogs wearing the little birthday hat I got for Bear, but. I love it. Yeah. Um. What else? Sammy recently rediscovered her love for Pokemon cards. Yes, I pulled them all out. Thousands of them, I'm sure. Um, and I'm reorganizing them by expansion pack, by element, and by, like, the element cards and the trainer cards. And it's just, it's been a thing. It's taken a lot longer than I thought. I thought it was going to be, like, an hour event. <laughs> and it's turned it's like into, like, days. a like, week, a week event. Yep. Because I haven't, like, really sat down and worked on it in a while. Right. And through her recording of her other podcast, she found this really cool website that auctions things. And one of the things that they auction a lot of is coins. And I've been collecting coins since I was like 10. Mm-hmm. And I haven't touched them in years. I just haven't like bought anything, sold anything, anything like that. But I started looking at this site and lo and behold, I bought a shit ton of coins. So now Not we're doing that again. You bought like four. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you bought that pile of, like, 20. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't count because there's, like, one thing. 22 total coins. See, that's not a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, but I'm stoked about it. I, was, I had a ton of fun doing that growing up, and so it's really fun now to look at what I have and sell some stuff off, probably, and buy new stuff. I love it. I love it for you. Good. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You're up, my love. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. Um, so this topic that I'm talking about, we're doing some true crime stuff, finally. I'm sure you guys are fed up with our spooky mixtures and nonsense that we've been doing, but this one was sent to us by one of our listeners, and after I did a lot of deep digging and research, I finally um, got all my notes together, and if you do not like anything having to do with child abuse or you know any type of a child kiddo stuff to do with children you're not don't listen like to this. either of ours oh both of ours are like that yeah okay cool so if you were looking forward to true crime stuff uh i'm sorry Wait, <laughs> re-listen to something else okay so i'm talking about the death of ethan stacy i could not really find anything about him but that's probably because he was four years old by the time he died. So there wasn't really much to say about him, unfortunately. He was uh, born to Joe, Stacy, and Stephanie Sloop in what I'm assuming is 2006. Um, I couldn't find an exact date of his birth or location. I but can like only make math, assumptions. Right. Huh? But like just math. Yeah, but just math basic it. math. I'm assuming he was born in 2006. Um, Stephanie was in the Air Force. Um, but was dishonorably discharged during basic training, according to Joe. Stephanie was also described by friends as difficult and narcissistic, as well as a pathological liar. Her own mother even claims that Stephanie was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder when she was 13. However, Joe disagrees, saying, quote, it ain't no disorder, it's just the way she is, end quote. So, Joe also mentioned that Stephanie would get tons of prescription pills from doctors because she knew ways and what to say to get them. Um, I'm assuming they were, like, pain medications, like opioids. So, later on, Stephanie herself will admit that she had an addiction to pills. No surprise there. Um, So, Joe and Stephanie had been married for six years before they divorced in 2010, which left an obvious custody battle for Ethan. 
Joe got Ethan during the school year, and Stephanie would have him during spring break, summer, and alternate holidays. Apparently, Joe was getting money from a settlement. I couldn't find any information on, like, what kind of settlement, but it was enough of a money to where um, he had to agree to give Stephanie half of it in order to get his share of the custody. I'm not sure if that was something that was put through the court or if she, like, held that up like, against him, and she's like, if you give me half the money, I won't fight for full custody. <laughs> so I'm wondering if it was, like, a her manipulation thing, or if the court was just like, hey, dude, you're getting, like, half this money. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. That's just what I I'm read in my research. just talking him into not right. dragging it out. Right. Yeah. Oh, and a friend of Stephanie's later said that Stephanie only wanted Ethan for the summer because she knew Joe didn't want her to have Ethan during that time. So petty. Yeah, so that's what makes me think that she was kind of, like, just manipulating this whole fucking thing. Right. Um, um, Stephanie wasn't asked to pay for child support, and quickly she moved to Utah, like, when they separated. They were still going through the divorce process, mm-hmm. but they she was like, I'm... Peace. Bye. Which, uh, that's what leads us to the next part of this story, and we'll give you a reason why she went to Utah wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment thing. She had a purpose. Uh, we have to back up a little bit to somebody who, like I said, is very important. His name is Nathan Sloop. Nathan was described by people as a loose cannon and moody. What a terrible his... last name, too. Right, Sloop. 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 Ew. Um, his family was, quote, close-knit and church-going. Major eye roll for that, mm-hmm. because we all know how that happened. Like, it's all about appearances, you know? Yeah, you could probably feel the eye roll in this audio. Literally. <laughs> um, Nathan was married to a woman named Jennifer Freeman in 1999. 2001, Nathan got in some trouble and was convicted of disorderly conduct and criminal mischief, which isn't really any, like, intense charges. Um, but then a few months later, he was charged with disorderly conduct and failure to obey a peace officer. So he seems to be escalating. Uh, between 2002 and 2003, Nathan had charges of drug possession and spent up to a month in jail. After his arrest, he was ordered to go through a drug abuse and mental health counseling system thing. Um, I don't know if he went to that or not. I'm assuming so because we'll find out later that he kind of goes to therapy a lot. Um, Nathan and his first wife, Jennifer, then had a daughter in 2004. Nathan admits that during these years like the 2000s um, that we just covered, Mm -hmm. uh, he was having mental health issues and almost like a crisis. His first wife gave incidents when Nathan would be abusive to her, but apparently everybody claimed that he was nothing but an angel to his daughter, which seems very odd to me, especially when we see what happens later. Okay, so then in 2007, Jennifer told Nathan she was leaving him and took their daughter to Florida. She basically, I'm sure, got fed up with whatever shit he was doing and was just like, peace. Mm -hmm. So their divorce was finalized in 2008, to which in the divorce papers, Jennifer claimed that Nathan had been diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, which he denied, and said he claimed he had OCD, which they're completely different disorders so i don't know how (laughs) right you can say oh that's not uh, multiple personality that's just my ocd i don't get it but i don't know um (laughs) their custody agreement might sound familiar but nathan was supposed to have his daughter during summer spring break and alternating holidays i guess that might be a common thing for custody orders is to do that kind of split yeah 
but that changed after Nathan threatened Jennifer over the phone. And the custody agreement yeah. required for a third party to do the exchange, since Jennifer oh, and Nathan clearly couldn't. could not get along. Right. Um, so I think it was, like, Nathan's mom or something like that had to go pick up their daughter and, like, do the transfer that way. Wow. Um, I'm not sure what happened after that. It kind of, like, fizzles out. I think Nathan kind of... I, this is my own assumption. I don't know if this is correct or not, but based off of my further research, somewhere between 2008 and 2010, I think he just kind of detached himself from Jennifer and their yeah. daughter because Stephanie and Nathan, they first met through Nathan's sister-in-law in 1995. So they were kids and they were like childhood friends. Yeah. Um, Maybe not kids because 95... I feel like they would have been in high school around then, because he married what Jennifer year? in 94. Huh? They were born in 95? No, no they, they met in 95. In... Oh, okay. So they were probably, like, not like childhood, but like right. teens. Right. Um, then in 2009, they reconnected through the best Facebook... Facebook. The best Facebook. I was going to say the best way, Facebook, but the I switched best my Facebook. words. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so then, after they reconnected, they started dating. But if you remember, what's his name? Joe. Joe and Stephanie didn't get divorced until th- 2010. Right. So, Stephanie's having this little side thing with Nathan long distance. Nathan lived in Roy, Utah, which is why I think that oh. Stephanie moved to Layton, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, once she... It would be too obvious, mm-hmm. but also she wanted to bone. Totally. Um, once she moved, they quickly became engaged and then Stephanie ended up moving into his house in Roy. Apparently, <laughs> after their engagement, Stephanie and Nathan were, like, living in, like, this fantasy land in social media, which we see a lot with, like, people trying to pretend they have the perfect lives, right? right? So they played up, like, how much they loved each other, and they had, like, plans for their future, all this stuff. Nathan went as far as to say, quote, I would do anything for her, fight for her, kill for her, live for her, die for her. Leak. End quote. And every, like, the end of every, like, for her thing had, like, exclamation points. Fucking bullshit. Um, their wedding date was set for July 4th, 2010, in Golden, Colorado, where they had family and they were gonna, like, have their wedding in one of their family's houses, whatever. Right. Um, they, like I said, lived in Nathan's house in Roy, yeah, in Roy, uh, Utah, until summer, because... Ethan was going to be coming to join them, okay. and they didn't have enough room, so they had to move into a bigger place, so they got an apartment in Layton, Utah, which is where Stephanie first moved to. Right. Um, Ethan was going to spend the summer with his mom after the school year with Joe in Virginia. Uh, Joe explained that he didn't want Ethan to go to Utah because Ethan expressed that he didn't want to see his mom. <laughs> he... Joe was also afraid that she would take Ethan and he'd never see him again. And Joe tried to bring this to the judge's attention that Stephanie was unstable and he worried that Ethan wouldn't be taken care of. But unfortunately, the judge denied because of their custody agreement and they had no other priors or any evidence to prove otherwise. So Joe had to give over Ethan. Damn. So Ethan got to Layton on April 29th, 2010, which is coincidentally the day after Joe and Stephanie's divorce was finalized. Interesting. Yeah. 
Um, already, the day that Ethan arrived in their home, just a few short hours, Stephanie was already complaining to friends that she couldn't handle Ethan's, quote, out-of-control behavior. Uh, so much so that Nathan states that Stephanie would go outside to smoke a cigarette and let Nathan handle Ethan. Like, she couldn't be a mom. She just let the guy that he just met discipline her child. Right. Um, so... We're going to go day by day now. Maybe not day by day, but, like, some significant dates that happened. Um, May 5th, Nathan got angry with Ethan and took him into a room to separate, um, like, Ethan and Mom. Mm -hmm. Because he wanted to discipline Ethan. Stephanie was in the other room, but she could still hear Nathan slapping Ethan. Fuck. And when Nathan left, Stephanie went to check on Ethan and saw that his face and head were beginning to swell up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next day, Stephanie texted her brother and said Nathan and her were getting married early. Oh, sounds smart. They, uh, would still have their real wedding on July 4th, but they wanted to start receiving benefits, so they wanted to get married now. What benefits? Like, tax benefits? I guess, but... I don't know. But, um, maybe, like, one of them had life insurance or something that she... Or not life insurance, like just insurance in general. Right. Um, uh, May 6th, 2010, Stephanie and Nathan got married at the Davis County Courthouse in Utah, uh, realizing that Ethan couldn't go with them because he was bruised and fucked up all over his fucking face. So instead, while they were getting married, they locked Ethan in a bedroom in their apartment. Stephanie... This is from her, well, like, her recounts, I guess. She locked him into the bedroom and removed the inside doorknob because she didn't want someone to call the police if they saw him in that apartment by himself. Okay. Yeah, and it's like, nobody knows how long they were gone. Like, did they go get dinner after they got married? Did they, like, who knows how long they left this poor kid in there? Yeah. So, from the 6th of May to the 9th, Ethan was running a fever and vomiting. He felt so bad that he refused to eat anything. Like, did not want to eat anything, which that only made shit worse because That's Nathan, Nathan and Stephanie forced Ethan to drink two 16 ounce bottles of water, 16 ounces of Kool Aid, and a glass of orange juice in only a two to three hour period. Like, my bladder can't handle no. that, and I'm an adult. No. Um, they also wanted to give him Motrin for swelling and Benadryl to, quote, keep him quiet. Wow. Um,. I guess the one good thing is that Stephanie took pictures of Ethan in his face to document how much his swelling was, like, getting worse. Yeah, no, don't, don't, like, take him to a doctor. Yeah. Take photos. Yeah. Give him Motrin. Literally. So, on May 7th, we're kind of backtracking now, um, Stephanie was out of the house shopping at Walmart, and Nathan gave her a call and said that Ethan burned himself by turning on the hot water when he was left alone in the bathtub. Uh, when Stephanie got home, Ethan was badly burned on his feet, back, and his bottom, and Stephanie claims that she didn't believe Nathan's story that Ethan did it himself. On May 8th, Stephanie found feces in Ethan's mouth, and she claims that she brushed his teeth so hard to get the poop out that his gums were bleeding. And she did this, like, for the next few days because she kept finding poop in his mouth. Um, 
the story here is that Nathan claimed Ethan was smearing poop all over the bathroom and then got poop all over Nathan himself. Um, Ethan claimed that Nathan forced him to eat the poop. Wow. Yeah. Um, real winner. Yeah, we'll, we'll see which one's real. Um, all day long, Stephanie, like I said, was trying to clean, clean the poop out of his mouth. And then also, because of that, Ethan wouldn't stop vomiting. I'm sure. Yeah. And Ethan's bedding had to be changed because it was covered in vomit and blood. Oh my god. Yeah. It's just so fucking sad. Um, this is reminding me of that, was it Gabriel Fernandez? Yes. Documentary? Yes. It, this reminds me a lot of that and um, something else I can't remember off the top of my head. But when I was doing the research, I was like, oh my gosh. It's just like Gabriel, except for, I feel like Gabriel's was like, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen the documentary. It's like months of abuse. This is much shorter. I guess that's a blessing. I guess, yeah. Like, if there is one, that's all we got. So then around 3 in the morning on May 9th, Stephanie went to check on Ethan as he was sleeping, and everything seemed okay. She then went to pick up some medications from a pharmacy for Nathan. I don't know what pharmacy is open at, like, 3 in the morning, but okay. Uh, I guess there are 24-hour pharmacies. Whatever, it doesn't matter. When she got back home at 5.30, Nathan stopped her as she came in and asked her to sit down. Oh, great. Yeah. And Stephanie claims that she knew something was wrong and asked Nathan Nathan if, quote, her baby was dead. Wow, that's your first thought? That's your thought? first fucking thought. That's a problem. Yeah, literally. Um, to which Nathan didn't respond. Oh, and my that's, God. I know. And that's when Stephanie went to check on Ethan. Um, when she got to Ethan, she said that his arms and um, his arm, arms were stiff and his body was cold to the touch. Yeah. Stephanie claims that she tried CPR but stopped realizing it was too late. And she also claims that she didn't immediately call police because Nathan said that she would go to prison. Anyways. I hate this. Yeah, you're telling me. Apparently, Nathan came up with a plan of how to bury Ethan and sent Stephanie to the store to get some supplies. You know, typical bury your kid shit like a shovel and Slurpees. Because how exhausting is it? And you need oh, you'd Slurpees. Be parched. Yeah, you'd be Obviously. so thirsty. Yeah, digging a hole isn't easy. Oh um, so then we're going to fast forward here a little bit and then go back again. Just fits better with the story, I guess. Um, on May 10th at 1155, Stephanie called 911. Remember, they found him dead May 9th at 530. So there's that. <sighs> Uh, officially on May 11th, because it was after midnight, Nathan and Stephanie reported Ethan as missing. They told law enforcement that Ethan had wandered out of their apartment and that he, this was normal-ish because he apparently did this the five out of the past few nights that he had been there. Okay, a four-year-old is just going to wander out of whatever. Police began searching for Ethan around midnight. After he was reported missing, the search team... This is pretty cool to me. It was consisted of Layton Police Department, Davis County Sheriff's Office, and apparently a child abduction response team. Abduction? Yeah. Sorry, did I say it weird? A child abduction response team. So strange to me that they have, like, an actual response team. I'm, like, curious as to, like, what that consists of. Um, But little did they know as they were searching... Um, Ethan obviously didn't run away. Nope, he wasn't lost. 
So then officers clearly began to interview Nathan and Stephanie and then quickly found that their stories weren't adding up and they also kept changing. Eventually, it didn't sound like they were twisting their arms too much, but they both confessed that Ethan was dead. Not sure how they had the time, but one article claims that after Stephanie called 911, the couple took Ethan's body to Powder Mountain near Eden, Utah, where it's like a ski resort kind of area, and that's where they buried Ethan on the side of a hill. Stephanie first tried to claim that Ethan, or I'm sorry, Nathan and a friend of his buried Ethan, but later she admitted that it was her and Nathan that did it. Um, after confessing, Stephanie told police her version of what happened, which is kind of what I just told you, um, but there's like a whole bunch of different inconsistent stories, which I'll kind of cover just in case. Um, she even admitted that she never sought medical attention for Ethan, even though she knew that he needed it. Um, she said that she didn't seek out help because she thought Nathan would harm her if she did. Um, so the only thing that I don't like about this version is that I don't think that they would have had enough time between calling 911, going to this location, burying his body, and then coming back and being there for the police. Right. I think that what they did was that they, after they found his body and she got back from the store from getting the supplies, they went and buried the body and then came home and was kind of like figuring out a more detailed plan, which obviously they didn't follow through with. Um... So, Nathan then ended up leading officers to Ethan's body, and he was found in Ogden Canyon, Utah, Tuesday evening, which is, um, I believe, the 11th. His body was covered in dog food in an attempt to lure animals to get rid of his body. It was wrapped in eight garbage bags and taped shut. Before wrapping him up in garbage bags, however, Nathan apparently poured some type of fuel, um, like gasoline, onto Ethan's body to light him on fire because they didn't want anybody to recognize his body. They, sorry, Nathan, oh my gosh, Nathan also disfigured Ethan's face with a hammer by basically what you would imagine he would do with a hammer to a child's face. Um, In the grave with Ethan was a broken hammer, probably because he was beating this poor four-year-old's face in so hard. Oh, my God. Um, Lighter fluid, a burnt glove, a shovel head, duct tape, and Ethan's favorite sweatshirt, which I think is a very odd add-in. Like, it shows some kind of remorse where Stephanie might have been like, oh, no, I want him to be buried with his favorite sweatshirt or whatever. But either way, it's like, you killed your fucking kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, You lose any sympathy from me, to be honest. Literally. So, like I said, the timeline gets a little funky. What I told you is the most consistent story that I found, but there's also some other ones that came from reliable sources that I was kind of like, I don't know. So, according to the Salt Lake Tribune, they, in an article for them, they said that court records stated that Ethan actually died on May 7th, which is the day after Nathan and Stephanie got married. Uh, when Nathan was told Stephanie, I'm sorry, when Nathan told Stephanie that he had died, she apparently became hysterical, took prescription medications, and passed out until the next day. Jeez. Which I think might also be consistent with the story of, like, if he passed out, or if they found his dead body on the 9th. Right. Maybe she went to the store, got hysterical, and then took the meds, and then they didn't do anything until the 10th. Yep. I don't know. But, um... 
There's that, and then another article by Des- Deseret News said that Ethan was found on the 10th, and then they spent all day disposing of his body and then called 911 that night. So really inconsistent stories here, but the one that I told you first was the most... Right. Was the one that I found the most often, yeah. so I am more inclined to believe that. Um, I find it easier to believe, like I said, that he died on the morning of the 9th. That gave them the time to... Find the supplies, bury his bodies in the remote location, and as well as time for them to do whatever the fuck they wanted. After police searched the um, their cell phones, Nathan and Stephanie's, they found a text from Nathan to Stephanie on the day that they buried Ethan's body saying, quote, baby, can you get anti-ax... I'm sorry. Quote, Baby, can you get antioxidant vitamins, please? That would be great. I can't wait to take you to Happy Sumo. Memories love you. End quote. And then Stephanie is quoted as the remembering fuck? the day that her son died as, quote, a fine spring day. End what quote. the fuck? That's yep. weird. Right? Anyways, <laughs> Stephanie and Nathan were charged with aggravated murder, which is the capital offense in Utah, and they faced the death penalty. Good. They were also charged with second-degree felony inflicting serious injury on a child and third-degree felony abuse for desecration of a human, I'm sorry, a dead human body. The judge denied bail for Nathan, but sent 100000 bail for Stephanie. That seems fitting. Yeah, you think? I do. Okay. Um, at Nathan's preliminary, I can't talk today. At Nathan's preliminary hearing, the medical examiner, Dr. Edward Lease, testified that scalding aspiration pneumonia and too much medication were the causes for Ethan's death. So let's break this down. The amount of Xanax and Benadryl and Motrin or whatever the fuck he had, he just had a bunch of random pills in him, but mostly, um... The most found was Xanax and Benadryl. Um, the amounts that were in Ethan's body were considered adult levels. It's a problem. Which wouldn't have killed them on their own, but his other injury is kind of like added to this whole shitty fucked up concoction of how he died. Um, it is later noted that the Benadryl that Stephanie was giving to Ethan was recalled because the dosage on the label was wrong. But it was determined by various doctors that that wasn't wrong enough to have caused for her to give the wrong dose to Ethan. So either way, she was clearly blatantly giving him too much. Um, so the second, sorry, there were second and third degree burns on his legs and feet, as we've say, said, that from, happened from in the, the bathtub. Bath, right. Um, this was consistent with being burned with hot water. Um, those burns led to... Ethan's dehydration because he was heavily dehydrated when they found him, not only because his body was burned, but because he was fucking sick. Um, He also had a lot of bruises on his head and legs and his genital area. I know. The wounds to his genitals would have been caused by uh, what Dr. Lease was saying is like a pinching. It was not blunt force. Which, before you ask, the defense during the trial asked if it could have been caused by, like, a zipper. Like, something common like that. And Dr. Lee said no, because there would have been, a like, skin abrasion from the, from yeah. the zipper, but there wasn't. It was, like, clear, like, some kind of, like, pinching. Hmm. Which is fucked up. Weird. 
There were also chemical burns found on his body, but that was after he had already died. So I'm assuming that's when uh, Nathan tried to burn his body. Nathan, or I'm sorry, Ethan had feces and vomit in his lungs, implying that he inhaled it, to which that in had led to an infected respiratory system, which then led to aspiration pneumonia. Dr. Lees also said that Ethan had fractures to his face and skull caused by the hammer to conceal his identity. Many doctors and professionals state that though Ethan's injuries were extremely painful and severe, if appropriate care had followed his injuries, he statistically would have survived. So, wow. That's... There, that's that. Um, a Dr. Jeffrey Saffel, the former head of the Intermountain Burn Care or Burn Center at the University of Utah, also testified during the trial and said that the burn patterns on Ethan's legs, because he had the burns on his legs and not his hands, that indicated that he was motionless in the water or could have been held in. Because somebody who was like, if you were on your back in a bathtub, because that's where his wounds were, yeah. on his back, yeah. his butt, and his feet. Yep. If you were in that position and you tried to get out, your first, you I would think that up. your first yeah. thing would be to push up. Yeah. And that's why he said that since he didn't have any wounds on his hands, it implied that he was being held down. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie's attorney used the battered wife syndrome as a defense for her. Yeah, claiming not. No fucking way. Yeah, claiming that she was scared and also on medications, and so therefore her judgment was clouded. Uh, Nathan's attorney, on the other hand, claimed that Nathan was mentally ill, which was agreed upon with both the defense and the prosecution because Nathan had been seeing a doctor during this time. So, like, a therapist or a psychologist or some shit. Right. Um, But, like, I feel like, yes, you're mentally ill, but you're, like, getting the treatment. So, therefore, is that really a claim that you can use anymore? No. Because it's not like you were some kind of bipolar, especially if you had, like, multiple personalities. Like, you were getting treatment for it. So, like, it's not like you were unhinged. Yeah. But whatever. Um, Prosecutors attempted to convict Stephanie under Shelby's Law, which is essentially... um, it allows the death penalty in cases where a child's death results from a defendant's reckless indifference... Yeah. Which I think Seems if like this it fits. fits, but they didn't follow through with it because after hearing Stephanie's claim that she didn't intend to kill Ethan or recklessly kill him, it wasn't like an intention. It just happened because of his injuries. Did not just happen. How did those injuries happen? But regardless, they could no longer do Shelby's Law because it no longer like... It wasn't like clean cut as they thought it was gonna be. They would have they would have had to have a lot of evidence to really fight for that. So I think they would rather have her. I think Did it's they like the catch twenty two. Gabriel's. I have no idea. Probably that Probably. seems like it fits more because you have more time. Yeah, you have more time. But I think they would rather go for like something else and like at least Insure win that. that you're have like win the that. insured charges. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, um, defense attorney Richard Mauro claimed, quote, our position is no. Our position is he, Nathan, did not recklessly kill Ethan. I think this little boy became ill. I think they used some imperfect efforts to treat his illness, including various kinds of medications. And poop. He became dehydrated. He had some issues relative to dehydration and died in his sleep, end quote. And a poop. That's where the defense is claiming 
that, like, they tried to help him, but, like, his wounds were just, like, too much. And, like, he succumbed to his injuries. There's an, an amount of responsibility in knowing your limitations as, like, a parent and, mm-hmm. and phoning out to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's the thing. These, quote, imperfect efforts to treat his illness, the defense was claiming um, the liquids that they forced him to drink for one day in two hours. They they claimed that, that was him, them trying to get him rehydrated after he, like, ate poop or whatever. Um, also, on his burns, apparently they put honey on his burns to try to fix it, which, according to the doctors during the trial, is an old folk remedy but it is, it was not, it didn't work in this situation. So clearly you should have realized that the honey wasn't fixing his burn, so you had to do something else. Um, Stephanie and Ethan also claimed that they had consulted a chiropractor about Ethan's injuries and behavioral problems, although the boy was never physically examined. And so my thing is, is that, like, if he's vomiting and, like, has burns, why would you call a chiropractor? Like, I know that you beat up his face, but... I think that the more intensive injuries here are not chiropractor related. No, when it comes down to it, it's very clear that they didn't do that because they didn't want CPS being called. Right. They didn't want to get in trouble. So they're just claiming this shit. Yeah. Um, during the trial, Stephanie told the court, quote, I am entirely responsible because I was his mommy. I am pleading guilty today because I am just that. Good. I chose to abuse my medications to the point I was unable to make sound choices and decisions, thus causing me to be reckless and indifferent with Ethan's life. I was selfish when I brought Ethan into this world. I was selfish during his life, but I refused to be selfish during his death, and I refused to blame Nathan or Joe or anybody else. End quote. I'm going to go ahead and, like, agree with that, but also Nathan was a shitbag. Mm-hmm. Nathan didn't help. He fucked he shit up. If it was just Stephanie, I, I don't think he would have died. Alive. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Stephanie was also trying to pull at heartstrings by calling Ethan by his nickname during the trial, which his nickname is adorable. It was Pumpkin. Oh. So cute. So when it comes to Nathan, he didn't have as much of a heartfelt message. Are you Shocker. Ready? Are you ready for all Big he had to surprise. say? At the end of the trial, he said, quote, that boy, that Fuck boy. Him. Yeah. Uh, died on my watch and I am horribly sorry. End quote. Shut the fuck. You <laughs> piece of shit. Oh, I hate. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I know, I know, I know. Unfortunately, as I have kind of hinted at, they were offered a plea deal, which took the death penalty off the table. So it was... It's a normal thing, though. Yeah, if you I plead, know. you don't get death penalty. Yeah. Um, so they obviously took that, and with also taking the deal, some charges were dropped. So at the end of the trial, Stephanie was sentenced to 20 years to life and 1 to 15 years on an obstruction account. Uh, The judge ordered for the prison terms to run concurrently. So, kind of shitty. sucks. Yeah, kind of shitty if she gets those 20 years and they're like, oh, you must be good behavior. Okay, you can go. And then she doesn't, that's it. She's gone. Out of prison. Wow. Yeah. So Nathan, who also took the plea deal, uh, but with like the mentally ill... It's like, I'm guilty, but I'm also, like, mentally unstable. We all are. Yeah, right? Um, He also was given 20 years to life, and then the 1 to 15 years were aggravated by a prisoner because he attacked a David County jail deputy. But the judge also chose for those terms to run concurrently. 
<laughs> Fucked. If you don't know what that means, it means all of your... If you have a 20-year sentence and a 60-year sentence and a 40-year sentence, they all start at the same time. So the most amount of time you're going to spend is 60 years. Yeah. You wouldn't spend 120. Yeah, which... I think they should I think it's not. stupid. I think that shouldn't exist, personally. Yeah. I think it should all be consecutive. I agree. The Davis County attorney, Troy Rawlings, recalled that, quote, After Ethan was dead, the Sloops celebrated their lives by dining at favorite restaurants. Golden for- Corral. Yeah, right. Uh, and for the remainder of her life, Stephanie... Um, factual culpability and justice demand that Stephanie Sloop should only dine in the Utah State Prison, end quote. Um, Joe, very surprisingly to me, supported the plea deal idea for Stephanie. He basically, I think, didn't want her to die, but he also was like, okay, we're getting justice. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I would, I wouldn't be that kind of a person. No. Um, Stephanie... I feel has... like the plea deal should be not dying and life in prison. Congrats, you're not gonna die. Yeah. Here. Mm-hmm. By not our even. hand. <laughs> right. Um, apparently, Stephanie has filed for an annulment for the marriage with Nathan, saying it was coerced. <laughs> um, but... she also had requested to change her name to her previous surname, which is Stacy. And Joe, her ex, who has that last name, in response said he didn't want her to have his name anymore. <laughs> so, He's like, uh, can you just do your maiden name, maybe? Yeah, yeah, right? Like, fuck you. <laughs> so, May 4th of 2013, a group known as Ethan's Army walked from the Layton Hills Mall to Davis County Courthouse to raise awareness against child abuse. The group wore blue or white shirts in um, Ethan's memory, which I'm assuming were, like, his favorite colors. Um, This is something they have done every year since Ethan's passing. I'm not sure if they do it anymore, but as of, like I said, 2013, they did it at least for the past few years. And then I just want to throw in a reminder. Ethan got to Utah on April 29th. And he died on May 10th. So it was just over a week in which this abuse happened. Wow. And he had died. Wow. So it's insane. It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. In a 2015 article on the Salt Lake Tribune, the Davis County Attorney's Office received a request for the Utah Board of Pardons and Parole to never let Stephanie out of prison. Good. Um, so... They wanted to change her sentence to just strictly a life sentence, no Mm -hmm. longer this 20 years to life, just fucking life. Um, This letter came from Davis County Attorney Troy Rawlings, who had made that quote that I just said a few minutes ago. Um, His letter is apparently remaining in Stephanie's file for reference at her hearing whenever the 20 years comes up. Um, Unfortunately, after 2015, there's not a whole lot going on that I could find about Stephanie and Ethan, probably because they've been in jail, but... Last I heard that Nathan wasn't eligible for parole until after 40 years of incarceration. Good. Yeah. So unless somehow he works some strings to get that worked out, he's going to be in jail at least for 40 more years or 40 years from when this happened. So I think they got charged in like 2011 after all the court time and stuff. Um, Also, I did an inmate search through the Utah Department of Corrections. Which you can do. Anybody can do. Anybody can do that. It's super easy. It's public record. Um, Stephanie and Nathan are both currently incarcerated. Stephanie is still under her married name of Sloop. 
Is that right? Yeah. Um, and... Sloop. Sloop. Sloot. Sloop. Either way. I closed my laptop. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not remembering the Sloot. last name of fucking assholes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they're both incarcerated. You can write them shitbag letters if you want to. I highly encourage it. They have the their inmate number and the facility in which yeah. they are held at. If you just go to Utah Department of Corrections inmate search, you can find it pretty easily. Phenomenal. Super phenomenal. What a fucked up story. I know. It makes me so sad. Like, doing the research on that, I was, like, praying for phone calls so I can get some kind of reprieve during work. <laughs> <laughs> But alas. <laughs> I was praying for people to have emergencies so I yeah, wouldn't have to read Yeah, please tell me that you're anymore. dying so I can just stay on the phone with Dude. you. Dude. <laughs> well, fuck. Well, I got another fucked up story for you. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> so, a heavy night. Sorry, yeah. guys. Yep. Before I forget, um, I got my info a little bit from Wikipedia, but there's not a lot going oh, on I there. I got nothing from Wikipedia. I, I got really like good articles. nothing going on there. Yeah. Um, I got a lot from uh, the notes on from a podcast called called uh morbidology oh yeah yeah and they cited their sources as like a bunch of news outlets that were reporting on the story at the time so that was cool and then the denver post so i'm telling you the story of jessica ridgeway and this is a local one uh, Mm -hmm. about an hour from us give or take yeah in westminster Um, So Jessica was born on January 23rd of 2002, and she died on October 5th of 2012. So she was 10 years old. That's so sad. She lived with her mom, her grandma, and her aunt, and her mom was on night shift. So her daily routine was, you know, she would wake up, mom would get home from work, they would have breakfast together, watch some cartoons, and then she usually would meet a friend uh, and walk to school, and they would Mm -hmm. meet up at Chelsea Park. Okay. So on October 5th, she calls her friend to meet and to see if they were still going to walk together because it was snowing a bunch and she she knew she was walking, but she didn't know if her friend was still walking or if her friend was going to get like a ride because yeah. of the snow. Um, she puts on her coat and snow pants or whatever for the snow and heads out, ends up not going with her friend. Um, and nobody else was really out on this path to go to school. So she was walking by her oh, lonesome no. and she never makes it to school. Yeah. Shocker. And I unfortunately, mean, yeah. her mom was asleep most of the day cause she's on night shift oh, that and breaks my heart. didn't get the notifications from the school that Jessica hadn't made it, which means there's like eight plus hours where like she's gone. just gone. Yeah. Here's, I think, like, a good PSA is, like, for night shifters, I have certain phone numbers in my phone that, like, I keep my phone on Do Not Disturb when I'm trying to sleep, but if this particular phone number is calling me, it will It'll ring. come through. It'll go yeah. through. Yeah. Because I am paranoid all the time, and I think work's going to call me with emergencies that I need to come in for, so, like, I don't... I keep that number available and like my mom or something in case right. something happens. Right. And we you. both have like Apple watches that yeah. will like ring. Yeah. We're sleeping. Yeah. So. So, um, mm. they start searching for her. By midnight that night, there were around 50 officers searching for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were assisted by a bloodhound from the Adams County Sheriff's Department and some crews from the Rampart Search and Rescue Team. Westminster firefighters also helped out, and they used a bunch of thermal equipment that was used to detect body heat. Okay. Pretty cool. 
A dive team searched the depths of uh, Kettner Lake, which was around two miles from Jessica's home, and police asked that if anybody from the community wanted to help to like kind of go through them first because if randos were out wandering around and searching on her own that could contaminate a lot of the search efforts mm-hmm. including like dogs tracking and, and things like that yeah so saturday rolls around and by that time he's like oh shit you guys are in here <laughs> he's like whoa i didn't even realize uh by that time around 200 local citizens were helping which is awesome yeah an amber amber alert was issued after investigators determined they had reasonable suspicion that she had been abducted Mm -hmm. um and she was described as being four foot ten eighty pounds blue eyes shoulder length brown hair she's wearing blue jeans a black puffy jacket with pink lining purple eyeglasses and black boots with pom-poms oh that's Mm -hmm. the cutest thing oh makes me by the next day, Sunday, the number of searchers had gone up to over 500. Dang. Which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. On Monday, Jessica's backpack was discovered in Rock Creek, which is in Superior, Colorado, around six miles from where she lived. So that's not great news. Um, helpful because you kind of have something, a clue, but right. also the fact that it was six miles away caused the search for jessica to become way more urgent than it was before and it was urgent before yeah police released more photographs of jessica along with a home video hoping that people would see that and kind of learn her mannerisms and the sound of her voice just different aspects that could help somebody recognize her right and they urged the public to remember some of her distinguishing features, such as the gap between her front teeth and a sore that was on top of her nose just below where her glasses sat. Oh, poor thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, her parents, Sarah and Jeremy, made tearful... Ter- whoops. Tearful... Ter- <laughs> they were on TV. They were interviewed on TV and were making pleas to the public, asking for anybody... Uh, with any information to just come forward. And a few days later, on October 10th, Jessica's family received the news that a body was discovered in Patridge Park open space around a mile away from where her backpack was found. It was around 5 p.m. when a member of the search team came across the body near an abandoned mining shack, and the word body is a little bit generous. It wasn't initially identified, but ABC News quoted a source saying they had a reason to believe it was Jessica. Next day, police held a press conference to confirm the reports that the body, which was discovered, was, quote, not intact. The conference was held due to the fact that the media helicopter had recorded the discovery of the body, and it was evident that it was dismembered. Oh, my God. So they, they were forced to, like, formally tell people that. Uh, on Friday, the body was officially identified as Jessica. The FBI warned people, uh, locals specifically, that she was probably ad- abducted by somebody that they in the community knew and asked them to remain vigilant and alert to any drastic changes in somebody's appearance or characteristics. So asking them to look at their friends, their family, things like that, and watch out for these things that might indicate that they committed this crime and were trying to hide it basically right following her identification a memorial was held near 94th and wadsworth to celebrate her and locals released hundreds of balloons in her memory which i think is really cool and on saturday they had a candlelight vigil which is nice 
So here's uh, the crime as we know it. Um, she was walking to school on October 5th and she got lured into a vehicle on her way to school. The suspect made her change her clothes and he took her back to his house. He strangled her and then thought she was alive, so he dunked her head in scorching bath water to drown her. He dismembered her, flushed her hands and some organs down the toilet, washed her body several times since he noticed uh, cadaver dogs that were in his neighborhood. He saw him and he's like, ugh, I gotta wash these, which is fucked up, uh, and planned on doing the same thing to a jogger in to a jogger in the park prior to Jessica. Uh, the jogger fought him off and got away. And I'll talk a little bit more about that what in a the minute. fuck? This guy's insane. Yeah, so the suspects, obviously, the usual become mom and dad first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. and, but they were cleared before they ever found the body because um, dad had a court hearing the day uh, that it happened. Um, Sarah was cleared because she obviously was asleep at the time. Yeah. And uh, there was no evidence. And then... Um, Austin Sig was considered the next suspect and the final suspect. Huh. Um, a neighbor had called in a tip on him regarding a cross that was found with Jessica's body in the park. Um, Austin later confessed to his mom that he killed Jessica, and his mom was like, oh fuck, and called 911. Dispatcher talked to both Austin and his mom, and he told the dispatcher where the rest of Jessica's remains were, and that was in the crawl space of their house. Oh my god, I so, couldn't imagine taking that call. Right, so um, Austin was uh, kind of an outsider. He got made fun of a lot for his voice. I think it was kind of high-pitched and squeaky, so he, got, he didn't have a lot of friends. Right. Um, he was known to torture and kill animals as a kiddo, oh. but uh, had no prior criminal history. However, back in May of that year, a woman reported that she was jogging uh, in the park when she was grabbed from behind by a man who placed a rag with a chemical smell over her mouth. She managed to escape and get away. She reported it, but she didn't have a lot to go on. They took DNA from, I'm guessing, her fingernails yeah. uh, from getting away. And uh, later, they found that that DNA matched um, Austin's. Oh my gosh. Uh, originally, it didn't, but there it, there was like some mishap with the sample, and uh, lo and behold, it did match. So, yeah. um, the DNA locked, uh, locked, <laughs> linked Austin to both the jogger and to Jessica. Locked. He ended up being, yeah, I know, fuck. <laughs> 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 he ended up being tried separately for that attack as well, which is good. Um, and he was arrested on October 23rd. He told detectives uh, the following during his interview, and I want to put a trigger warning right here. If you don't like uh, violent sexual acts or explicit uh, details about kiddos being murdered, skip like 30 seconds. Um, anyway, so he said that he had hid in the back of his Jeep, and he was waiting for Jessica to walk past his door when he grabbed her, tossed her into the car. For two hours, he kept her in his bedroom, and here he made her watch a movie, and he cut her hair, which is fucking weird. Uh, he then made Jessica change into clothing that he had brought. He sexually assaulted her several times. She had been raped with such force that she suffered extensive bruising. What the fuck? When he was finished, he asked her to face the wall, and she turned away, 
and he tried to strangle her with zip ties, but it wasn't working. It cut The zip ties were cutting into his hands, and he didn't have enough leverage, he said. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he tried to strangle her with his bare hands. That didn't work. So oh finally he filled the bathtub up with boiling hot water and forced her face into it. What the fuck? Uh, that killed her. And finally he dismembered her, shoved a cross into her vagina. <sighs> And did what I explained prior uh, with the various parts of her body. So that's Austin Sig for you. Um, He pled originally pled not guilty to counts of first degree murder, tampering with a corpse, sexual assault on a child, and attempted kidnapping. Um, Just before his trial got set, he changed that plea to guilty. The defense team attempted to question his culpability due to some mental health issues claiming that when he was a baby, he was exposed to excessive paint fumes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have been spray paint right now are laughing at you, bro. Literally. Uh, he ended up getting life in prison and the possibility of parole after 48 years. And that is the quick and horrible case of Jessica Ridgway. I... Like you said, I hate it. Yeah. That makes me sad. Like, she was so little and did not even... No. No, she was literally just trying to go to school. Literally. That was it. And he even said, like, the only reason that he took her was because he happened to be there that morning, and she happened to be the only person who went by. He said it was she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, right. Nothing personal. He he just wanted to kill someone. It's it's not personal. It's not personal. I just want to to fucking murder you and dismember you and fuck. My god, I hate it. Pretty cut and dry, but super fucked up. Yeah, I hate so, it. So, that is that. Sorry for this heavy, like, let's um, talk about... Kids. Dying kids. Oh, yeah. It just makes me sad, but it also makes me realize uh, that these kind of things need to be talked about. Because I think people... Like, the Gabriel... Was it Fernandez story? Like, people are like, oh, parents can't be that cruel to their kids. Or, like, these things can't happen to kids. Everybody loves kids. Nobody wants to hurt kids. Like yeah, they can. And they yeah. do. They can and they do, People and it's sometimes care. much worse than how they hurt adults. Yeah, because it's they easier. have power over it. Yep. Yeah. So. Ugh. Whatever. I hate it, but. Well. That's that guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Congratulations. Um. Do you have anything else? No. Just looking at wigs. Oh. Something to make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's wearing the cutest wig right now. Yeah. I'm very stoked about According it. to my husband, it is the cutest wig. I love it. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Who Knew Podcast. You can email us at Who Knew Podcast 666 at gmail.com or you can support us on Patreon. Other than that, that's it. Yeah. There's nobody here to say bye. All the dogs are sleeping. sleeping. The so. cats are doing whatever the fuck they want. (laughs) Have fun. Bye. Be safe. Keep your kids close this week. And the next few weeks and forever. forever. (laughs) I'm sorry. Bye. Bye.